0: Happy Valentine's Day everybody! Happy Valentine's Day from here at The Well. We're happy that you're here joining us today on this special holiday and I know you don't normally think of Valentine's Day in like a church kind of a way but we said that any chance we get to celebrate love we will do so. So we're taking a little mini break. From the series we've been doing about confronting conflict, when we originally planned the schedule, we were supposed to have wrapped up the conflict series last week, but that snow day kind of threw us off. But then we said we were going to wrap up that series, then we're going to do something which is the long-term solution to any kinds of conflict in the world, which is we are going to talk about is love. And what better day to talk about it than on Valentine's Day? So I hope you're in the mood for a fun day. But before we get to the fun, Katie played some games with us earlier. We're going to play another game. All right, we're going to play a game called Name That Tune. Y'all ready for some Name That Tune? All right, we're going to go old school Name That Tune, and we're going to see if this works. All right, I'm going to try to play. for, For those who have never seen the show Name That Tune, I will play, like, a couple of notes, and then you shout out if you know what it is. And if not, we'll play a couple more notes, and we'll kind of see how it goes, okay? We'll see how this happens right here. Music buffs, ready? Here we go. Anybody? Huh? Okay, again, hold on. Wait. Huh? What? Oh, come on, that was easy. Come, nobody? Showing your young age. All right, let's go. I'll give you some more. Come on now, this is easy. Anybody? <laughs> It's now. It's love wave your is hands in love. air. You said it? Very good. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, right? Very good, very good. Your free gift is a uh, free pass to attending the well session today on love, all right?
1: And you get to sit next to
0: the special guest of that lady and that man right there, okay? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Do you remember who sang it? Dion Warwick. Okay, very, very good. Dion Warwick sang it. And Dion Warwick is a great song. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing that there's just too little of. And the song goes on to say, Lord, we don't need another mountain. There are lots of mountains. We don't need another river. We don't need another ocean. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, not just for some, but for everyone. And why is this one of my favorite songs in the whole wide world that I actually remember the first time I heard it? I remember watching it on a specific show, and I won't tell you what show that was because it was a long, long time ago when I was a kid. But I remember hearing this song for the first time probably when I was like seven or eight years old. i never forget this song. Why is this song, a song like this, you got to do like this, you got to sway when you hear a song like this. Why? Because the song is true. Because the song is true. Every word that you see up there on the screen is 100% true. What the world needs now is love. And any problem that you have in the world today, I don't want to say any problem because I don't want to diminish your problems, but I bet you that 90% of the problems in the world, whatever you are struggling with, could be solved by love. You got problems at work? Like, let's do it this way. You got problems at work. Imagine if your work was full of love, overflowing with love. Like you walked in the building and the second you walked in, you felt love all around. Staff meetings were love Uh, evaluations were love, like everything was love, sweet love. Imagine in your home, what your home would look like if the overwhelming characteristic that defined your home, your marriage, your kids, your parents, whatever it is, if the overwhelming characteristic was, this is a home of love. And anyone who walked in said, all I feel in this place is love. What problems would there be? What problems would there be in our communities if the world's full of love? Like let's say someone came to Arlington, and said this is the most loving city in the whole wide world. What problems would there be if this place is full of love? I imagine that if you take the answer of love and you start to go around to the different problems in the world today and you insert that answer, you probably solve the majority of the problems. Imagine if Congress was full of love. I'm serious. What would this country look like if the defining characteristic of those making decisions for us was love? What would the Middle East look like if there was love? What would the United Nations look like if there was love? What would your marriage look like if it was love? What would your friendships look like if it was love? I don't think anybody would disagree when I say the world needs more love. And if we had more love, a lot of the problems that we face and a lot of stuff that we talk about, we complain about, and we're bitter about, we're angry about, and a lot of that stuff would go away if we can just get to the bottom of this love thing. So that's what we're going to do today as we want to talk about love because what the world needs now is more love. And there isn't anyone who says, there's too much love in my life. I wish I had less love. There isn't anyone who says that. Now, here's the question I want to ask you. If I were to do a survey on the street and who, and I say, how many people think the world needs more love? Everyone would say yes. Agree? Everyone would say the world needs more love. So why is it that if everyone says the world needs more love, that the world is in a more loving place? Like if we're all on the same page and we say we want more love here, then why isn't there not more love here? Like we're all agreeing this is what we want, and we all have the ability to make this happen. So why is it that there isn't more love in the world? Why? I think as you just saw from the video right there, and I think you would agree with it, is our problem is we don't understand love. Our problem is we're not all agreeing on the definition of love. We define it different ways. And if you would ask the question of what is love to 100 people, you'd probably get 100 answers. Because what is love? Some people would say love is tough. And that's true. Sometimes love is tough. Some people would say, no, love, That's Kind of true as well. It's kind of what we're talking about in the whole conflict series. Love speaks the truth. But love also gives second chances. So our problem is not that we don't desire love. That's not the problem in the world today. The problem isn't that people think they are unloving. I've never heard anyone tell me I'm an unloving person. What everyone tells me is I'm a loving person, but this person doesn't understand my love. Or this person is, is wrong because they don't agree with my definition of love. But every single person in this room here today, in your house, in your office, in your world, thinks of themselves as loving. But our problem is, is we're not defining love in the same way. So we want to do here today as we want to understand what does love mean? And we are going to go to the source of love, which is God Himself. We're going to try to understand the answer to a question which has been asked for many, many years. That question is what is love? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. I told you we're going to have some fun today. Okay. It's Valentine's Day, so we're going to have some fun. Okay. Everyone's asking this question. Not just me and you. People have been asking this question of what is love for years, and trying to get to the bottom of it. And we'll see if we how far we can get here in this subject here today. All right, let's go away from the 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 music love, okay? And let's go to what God says about love, okay? Because that's probably a better place to start. First John chapter four verse eight: Whoever does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. I need a definition for love. The Bible says your definition is. Love is God. Did that make it any easier or not easier? <laughs> it didn't make it any easier. I needed a definition for love, and they gave me, oh, I'll tell you exactly, love equals God. But I don't know what God is or who God is, and how do I now, like before I had a task to define this thing called love, and now I have a task to define this person called God who is infinite, who is unchangeable, who is eternal. So the, the situation just went from, simple to even more complicated when you said that God is love but here's how I want to give a definition of God is love what is love based on this I always say that love is best defined or best um, illustrated by the ocean why because the ocean isn't a complicated thing to understand it is it's water you got a couple of H's and two O's, all right? You throw some salt in there, and you got water. And we all understand what water is. And we understand what it looks like and how, like, its texture. We understand water. So water on the surface, no pun intended, on the surface isn't a complicated thing. I can understand the ocean. Where does the complexity come into understanding the ocean is in the Magnitude, the depth, to see how far it stretches and how deep it goes. Like anyone on this planet doesn't have to walk very far or look very hard to discover water. Just turn on the faucet and there it is. There's water. Go outside when it's raining, there's water. Go in the ocean, dip your feet in the thing, there's water. It's not hard to discover what is water. The hard part is to understand the depth and the magnitude. And I think love is the same. way Because we've all tasted love. We've all had tastes of God's love. We've all had glimpses of it. We felt it, like, like the people said in the thing, in the hug from a mom, a kiss from a mom. We felt it at times. We're sitting in front of the fireplace with our wife and our kids. We've seen God's love in glimpses. But there's a difference between tasting love and living in love. There's a difference between to go with my ocean analogy, to go to the shores of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and to dip my toes in the shores of Myrtle Beach and stand there, and the water's up to my ankles. There's a difference between that and putting on the mermaid suit and jumping in and living inside the ocean. This is how we are with God's love. With love, okay? I'm not. talking about God's love, but there's there's no difference between love and God's love. There's no difference between the two terms, okay? Anything other than God's love is not real love, all right? God's love is love. So when I say that, I'm using the two interchangeably. We are the same way when it comes to love. We've tasted, we've had glimpses. What I want to talk about today is living inside it and going deep and understanding the depth of what love is. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 19, St. Paul says this. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love is my prayer for you, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That you may know the width and the length and the depth and the height of the ocean. That you may know how deep the ocean really is. Who can ever say they know how deep the ocean is? Who can say, I've gotten to the bottom of the ocean and I've gone to the deepest spot or the furthest spot. Like that's what St. Paul is saying here is as the ocean is limitless in its depth and its magnitude, God's love even more. And what our goal is, my prayer for you, prayer for me, is that we would start to understand that. And that we would go beyond what we know about love, what we heard about love. And I I love pizza and I love the Redskins and then I love my kids and I love my wife and then I love snow days. Like we'd go past that superficial, shallow understanding of love and we would understand what is love really and truly all about. Now you sit there and say, hey, wait a minute. Can we ever know the depth of the ocean? Can we ever know how deep it is? I don't say that I can tell it to you. I don't say that I sit here, I'm not, pretend that I can talk to you 15, 20 minutes and explain to you how deep the ocean is or how deep God's love is. But what I believe is, is that we can all jump in and taste and experience. And that's what I want to talk about here today is how to do that. And I believe it starts with understanding more about God's love, all right? Before we get into kind of the definition portion of the day, let me share what I believe three kind of facts upon which I'm basing the rest of my message here today. Number one fact, I believe, is that everyone is looking for love. And as I said earlier, every song talks about love, every show talks about love, every movie talks about love, because everyone is looking for love. It's a universal need amongst every person on this planet. Everyone is looking for love. Agree? Fact number two, I believe that God, who created every single human being on this planet with a need for love and a desire for love, that God, who created every single person with that desire, has an answer to that desire. That God created a universal desire, and then God created a universal solution to the universal desire. If I didn't believe that, then I would believe that God is not fair. That God would create a hunger that there's no food that can satisfy. Or God would create an itch that I can never reach to scratch. I believe that God created this desire for love, and I believe God also created a solution for this desire for love. Good with me so far? Third fact I believe. That between the desire and the solution, there's a tragic, tragic, tragic disconnection in the world we live in today. That you got 7.125 billion people on this planet, all in need of love. And then you have a love here which is bigger than 7.125 billion people could ever comprehend. You have a problem, you have a solution, And then a very narrow little bridge. Think of it this way. I've given this analogy before. Imagine you take all 7 billion people on this planet. Okay, let's stick with our water analogy. You put all seven people, 7 billion people in the middle of the United States of America, in a place where there's no water. What state has no water? Idaho. Okay, anyone here from Idaho? Okay? I don't think Idaho has any lakes that I know of, okay? So you put everyone in Idaho. And they're in the middle of Idaho right there. You have 7.1% billion people on this planet, you stick them all in Idaho, and all of them are thirsty. And then you put a couple of bottles of water here and there. You throw a bottle of water over the board, and then you run. And then you throw another bottle of water over the board, and then you run. And there's little bottles of water scattered throughout all of Idaho. What's going to happen with those bottles of water? What's going to happen? What are people going to do when they see it? Fight for it. Give me that. And one drop. And there's a drop over there hanging from that leaf on that tree. Here it comes. People are going to fight for it. What do you want to say to them? Say, people, did you know that outside of Idaho, three quarters of this planet is water? You don't need to fight for little drops of water in the middle of Idaho. You just need to go beyond the borders of your little state. And you need to see that there's plenty of water for everyone in this world to drink, to bathe, to clean, brush their teeth, to wash stuff, to do whatever it is they want with the amount of water in this this world. The same way with God's love. What do you have in the world today is you see drops of love, and everyone fights for it. You see a little nugget of love there, and everyone fights for that. And people kill each other for drops of love. And you say, hey, there's more than enough love to go around. Why? Because God is the one who made that love. God is the one who knows the need, and he has the solution. And what we need to figure out today is how to connect the need to the solution. And you notice today there's no handout. Okay, for those of you looking where's the handout today, it's a Valentine's Day treat. There's no handout because today I'm not trying to teach you anything new. Today I'm not trying to teach you anything new. What I'm trying to do is inspire you and motivate you and encourage you to go from dipping your foot in the shores of Myrtle Beach to putting on that wet suit, plugging your nose, and jumping straight to the deepest part and saying, I want to spend the rest of my life right there. So there's no notes that can tell you how to do that. But what hopefully we can do together Is we can take our understanding of love, our our piddly little understanding of love, and we can expand it to mean what to understand what is really God's love. Okay. Many of us think of God's love. I said God's love is like the ocean living in it. Many of us think of God's love as like a swimming pool, where break time. And it's got kind of like a long break time. So we feel like, okay, we're allowed to swim in it for a little bit, but beep beep, it's time to get out. Okay, you can only go in God's love for so long. But then after that, you can't stay in there. Why? Because you're bad. And because you've done this. And because you messed up that. So we feel like God's love is something that we can taste for a little bit, but you can't really stay in there. And you just got to kind of jump in and catch a break whenever you can, but you can't. It's not something you can really live in. And I'm here to tell you that is not true. Why? It is the most important thing that I tell you here today that you understand. God's love is nothing like human love. Why we mess up with God's love is because we correlate God's love to my love or to my parents' love or to my spouse's love or to my friend's love. And God's love is nothing like human beings' love. It is the difference. God's love to human love is the difference between a matchbox car and the real thing. You got a little matchbox Corvette, and it looks just like the real thing. Man, it ain't even close. It's not even on the same plane. Yes, it may look the same from a distance, and you may take a snapshot of each. You say, it's the same, just a little bit bigger. It's not the same. It's a toy, but that's a real deal. And that's the same between God's love and man's love, no matter who that man may be. Never compare God's love to your spouse, to your mom, to your dad, to your kids, to any friend, because God's love is so much bigger. And the main difference that you need to understand between man's love and God's love If you had to boil it down, God's love is not just bigger. It's not just, again, like the toy car to the real car. It's not just the same thing, but just a bigger size. The difference between God's love and human love is the source of that love. Think about this. What is the source of human love? I'm being philosophical. I love a person. I love a thing. Let's stick with person. Okay, I love a person. What is the source of my love for a person? I love a friend. I love a kid. I love a boss. I love whatever. What is the source? The source of human love is the object that is loved. What I mean by that is, I love this person. This person elicits love from me. Why? Because of their behavior. They're nice to me. They're kind to me. They do stuff for me. I love this person because of who this person is. That's why we love people, right? Like you walk around, this person, I love this person. This person, I don't love as much because this person is different than that person. I'm the same, but they're different, so my love is different based on them. Does that make sense? My love is different because they are different, because the object is different. So, when a person's behavior is good, we love them more. When a person's behavior is bad, we love them less. When a person treats us this way, we love them more. When a person treats us this way, we love them less. Our love fluctuates based on the person, the recipient of that love. Everyone agree? God's love is the opposite. God's love is based on Him. So, God loves this boy and this girl the exact same amount, even though this boy Is one way and this girl is another way. Because God's love is not based on the boy or the girl. God's love is based on himself, his own nature. And that's why we don't say God loves us, even though we know God loves us. But it's not, God loves us is a watered down version. It's not God loves you, it's God is love. And is there a difference between God loves and God is love? Absolutely. What's the difference? The difference is one is based on his nature. Versus other one, we kind of think based on our actions. And God doesn't love us because we're good. God doesn't love us because we go to church on Sundays. God doesn't love us because we cheer for the Redskins. God loves because God is love. And there's no other option other than God loving you because it's based on his character and on his nature, not based on your action. On your good days, on your bad days. When you're obedient, when you're disobedient. God's love remains constant. I'm giving an analogy that I gave one time several years ago at a high school boys retreat. Okay, this analogy came to me when I was at a high school boys retreat probably like 7 or 8 years ago. I'll never forget it and it's a perfect analogy. I'm talking to these high school boys and I asked them a very deep question. I said, "What is the difference between high school boys and a pile of manure?" Because on the surface, the smell is about the same. Because if you've never been on a high school boys retreat, A high school boy may smell on his own. But when you put them all together, it is exponential. Like the sum is greater. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts, is what I want to say. And you cannot spend 10 minutes at a high school boy's retreat for a weekend. Lock them up in a cabin, close the doors, turn the heat on. You cannot spend 10 minutes without knowing that, like, you're in for it. What is the difference, boys, as I was asking them, between A pile of manure, and you high school boys. The difference is the difference between God's love and man's love. Because manure smells by its nature. A manure pile does not need to do anything to smell. Boys, even though you would think it's by their nature, they do actions which make it smell worse okay? There's activities that they do, <laughs> pull my finger, activities that make it smell. But by their nature, they don't need to smell. There's something that they do where they, to make it smell. The difference between a pile of manure and high school boys, the difference between God is love and humans love. As a human being, I have to stir up love. I have to convince myself, here's a person, go love this person. It's something that I have to manually do. And hopefully, the more I practice it, the more automatic it can become. But it's still a manual effort. God, there's no effort. There's no analysis. There's no observation. There's no, are they good or are they not good? Did they obey or did they not obey? Is it a Monday or is it a Tuesday? There's none of that stuff. God is love and everywhere He goes. The manure is kind of the negative. Okay, God is the positive. Maybe we can think of it like a flower. A flower. Everywhere the flower goes, it's just beautiful smell. It doesn't have to do anything to release that beautiful smell. God is the same. You cannot, you cannot persuade God to love you one fraction of a percent more than he already does. You cannot because it's impossible. And you cannot Convince God, or persuade God, or or any 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 verb that you want to make God love you one percent less. He already does. You can't. It's a constant because it's based on His nature, not based on our actions. Practically, what does that mean? I want to give you three characteristics of God's love, and I'm going to run through these. And again, these are not I'm, I'm, I'm these are not anything which is earth shattering. You already know all this stuff, but just humor me right here. Number one, God's love is unchangeable. God's love is unchangeable. God's love is the same because God is love and God is the same so therefore love is the same. And God's love is the same today as it was yesterday as it'll be tomorrow. And when you're on your good days or on your bad days on your highs or on your lows or when you obeyed all commandments or when you didn't know what anything in the commandments said God's love is unchangeable never fluctuates. James chapter 1 verse 17 every good gift and every perfect gift is from above It comes down from the Father of lights With whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. Let me ask you this. The scripture says right there that there's no variation with God, no turning with God. Same yesterday, today, and forever. So then let me ask you a question Why does God get angry sometimes? Well, let me ask you another one. Does God get angry sometimes? Absolutely. Go read the scripture if you haven't seen it. Why does God get angry if his love is constant, it's unchangeable? Does God get angry? how could it be? Doesn't God sometimes rebuke? Didn't Christ at times rebuke the Pharisees? Don't we think at times God rebukes us? How can God get angry and rebuke if His love is unchangeable? Easy. Parents, you love your kids, right? You ever get angry at your kids? Is that because you stopped loving them? You got angry with your kids because you stopped caring about them? Or in fact, is it the exact opposite? that anger is actually a part of love. And you cannot really be angry with someone that you don't care about. I see someone in the street and he is wasting his life away. You know, he's sitting on the corner, dropped out of school, and, you know, he's smoking, he's drinking, and he's basically living as a bum. And I don't know who that is. That stinks, all right? What am I going to do if I see him? I'm probably going to walk by, wish him the best, and move on. Let's say that's my kid. Am I going to walk by and say, uh, Happy Valentine's Day. No, that's my kid. Because I love him, I'm going to grab him by the back of the neck. I'm going to drag him home. And I'm going to tell him how much, I'm going to show him how much I love him. Anger is not against love. Anger is a manifestation of love. So don't, yes, absolutely. There's times where God rebukes us, where God chastens us. You know, there's a verse in the scripture that says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Because there's no such thing as a parent who loves a child who doesn't discipline a child. The kids who are not disciplined is not because the parents love them, it's actually because the parents won't well, get into parenting, but you can't love someone and watch them go astray and not discipline them for it. So God's love is unchangeable. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that he always responds to us the same way, but it means the source of his response, no matter what it is, if it's a hug or a rebuke, is always the same. It is God's love love, God's love, God's love is his source of everything that he does. God's love is unchangeable. Number two, God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. And this is probably the one that is the hardest to grasp because, again, this is so counter to human love. Human love is very conditional. I love this person. Why? Because they. I love when they. I love if they. And I don't love because they. Our love is conditioned. Our love looks at the other person in front of us, sees some actions, and then makes a decision to love or not love or how much love to give. God is not that way. Bible says, Jeremiah 31 verse three, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Again, go back to the parent analogy. Go back to the parent analogy. And I already told you that God's love is nothing like human love. So if I show you that a parent's love is like this, you cannot make God's love lower than that. That's why I'm giving these human analogies. I told you that it's different. But what I want to tell you, I want to show you, is that if you say a parent's love is this, God's love has to be this. And sometimes we make God's love less than even a parent's love. And I'm not saying I'm a great parent, but I'm telling you, we'll give you this example, and I'd ask you how many parents would do this. How many parents, we love our children, and they're so sweet, and they're so kind, and they cry, and they do all kinds of fun stuff when they're babies. And then the baby's born, and I tell the baby, you know what? Stop crying now. Don't, don't make any more crying and he tries his best to stop crying but then he keeps on crying and then I tell him like no more with the crying and the baby keeps on crying and keeps on crying and I discuss it with him and I negotiate with him and I offer him incentives and I come up with like a six-month plan like whatever how many parents the kid keeps crying how many parents pick up the phone call the police and say, can you please come take away my child because he's not listening to me? Any parent? Any parent? How many parents would call the police and say this child is not behaving, please take him away? So why do we think God would do that? Why do we think God would do that? No, God can't love me. Why? Because I messed up. Yeah? No, Father Anthony, no, I messed up. No, 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 I messed up bad in a long time, I'm far. If a parent wouldn't call the police to replace their child, why would God? God's love is unconditional. Third, God's love is undeserved. And again, I know I'm not teaching anything new right now. I'm just, I said God's love is like the ocean. All I'm trying to show you, this piece of the ocean over here, then let's go take a trip over here and let's study the ocean from here. And let's see over here. But we could spend all year long studying the ocean and still not get to the depths of it. What I want to show you, remind you, I should say, that God's love is unchangeable. God's love is unconditional. God's love is undeserved. And this is the most important one. This is the most important one. You know what? Why this is so important? Because if today, if today the devil can convince you God loves you, And you deserve it. If he can convince you, he loves you because you did, or because you said, or because you gave, or because you helped, or because you prayed, or because you, because, if he can convince you, I'm telling you, the devil's number one objective is to convince you that God loves you because you did that good thing. You know why? It's just a matter of time before you don't do that good. thing. And if you believe God loves you today because you came to church, What happens next Sunday when you don't come to church? If you believe God loves you because you put money in the money box, what happens when times are tough and you don't got money to put in the money box? If you believe God loves you because you held your temper and you maintained your purity and you resisted temptation, and that's why God loves you on on Thursday, what happens when you don't resist Revelation 1.5. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. What I like about this verse is he loved us and washed us, not he washed us and loved us. What's the difference? God doesn't wash us and love us. He loves us and washes us. And what is the difference? The difference is when a child comes to, I gave you this analogy before, when a child comes to a mother, maybe not a father, okay, but a mother, okay, when a child comes to a mother, and I seen it with my own two eyes because I got a very godly wife, a child comes to a mother, and they have vomited on themselves, okay, this makes me, one time I was by myself when the kids threw up, okay, I called Marianne, told her to come home from work, because I didn't know what to do, I honestly didn't know what to do. We were in the car. The kids threw up in the car. We got home, rolled down all the windows. We sat in the driveway till Marianne came home from work. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know do I get the shop back? Do I like light it on fire? Like I did not know what to do. Okay, I didn't know what to do. Marianne's the best of best. What does a mom do when a child is crying? They're sick. Their tummy hurts. They feel like, Ugh, and they got throw up on themselves. What does a mom do? I told you what a dad does. Does a mom wash first and then love? Or does a mom first? Love, and it's okay. Don't worry. We'll clean it up and let's get this thing cleaned. See the difference? Which way do you think about God? Some of us, let's be honest, we got stuff on us. We say, I want to come to God, but I'm dirty. I want to come to God, but He He's gonna get from me. So I need to go and try to clean Can a two-year-old clean up his own vomit? Like if I left the kids in the car that day, I'd say, When you're clean, come on in the house. They could never have done it. They don't they're incapable of cleaning themselves. How many of us are sitting here trying to scrub and say, okay, once we get it clean, I'm going to come back to God. He's going to love us. And I'm telling you, man, you're going to be further from the truth. God doesn't love you because you're clean. I want to tell you that even if you think you're clean, you're not really clean. God doesn't love you because you're clean. God loves you in order to clean you. God loves you. What I want to say to you is wherever you're at here today, the subject of love, I can see it in y'all's eyes. The subject of love hits everyone kind of at different places. Everyone is at different places when it comes to love. Everyone is at different places when it comes to the love they've tasted. Like I said, from a parent, from, from a loved, from a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or whatever. Everyone's at different places. So this topic of love, I, I realize it hits everyone at different places. But wherever it is the track, whatever it is the track. Let's understand true love. And true love is the love of God, which is infinite, which is unchangeable, which is unconditional, and it is undeserved. I'm bringing you a nice quote right here kind of tie this thing all together. This is a quote from a, a, a Catholic monk. His name is Henry Newman Now, He wrote this, that over the years I've come to realize that the greatest trap in our life is not success, popularity, or power. But self-rejection, self-rejection, success, popularity, and power can indeed present a great temptation, but their seductive quality often comes from the way they are part of the much larger temptation to self-rejection. Basically, what he's saying is all the the vices in this world that we think are are pulling us down, really, the main problem is self-rejection, and if we have self-rejection, then we're really susceptible to these things, but these things are not the problem. It's self-rejection it goes on. When we have come to believe in the voices that call us worthless and unlovable, then success, popularity, and power are easily perceived as attractive solutions. The real trap, however, again is self-rejection. Why it ties it all up here? Listen carefully. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts. The sacred voice that calls us, the beloved. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. I love that quote. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. Let me ask you a question. I ask you a question. You know the verses. You've heard the Sunday school lessons, like you know everything you need to know. You've read the books, you've heard me speak, like you you know what you need to know. What more is it gonna take for you to jump in headfirst? Like you know what you need to know. What more is it going to take? Like I want you to answer that question for those of you who are kind of sitting on the periphery and say, you know what, I'm still not convinced about God's love, or I'm still not sure it's for me, or I'm still not sure that I can actually have it every single day. I'm not convinced. Okay, let me ask you, what will it take to convince you? What does God need to do for you that he hasn't already done? You tell me. God needs to send his son into this world. God needs his son to die on a cross. God needs to bless me. God needs to give me all that he's given me. What more? Does God need to do to explain to you His love for you? For whatever reason, you who have convinced yourself that God's love is not for you, that you have messed up too much, that you are too far, let today be the most special Valentine's Day ever. Or you didn't get a dumb little card from some whatever. Okay, okay, shift. Okay. You didn't get a card from a person. You did get a little candy cane, whatever. You didn't get a little heart that says, be my Valentine. You get an eternal Valentine request. An unchangeable one. That is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's nothing that you can do to mess it up. But God says to you, be my Valentine. I want to live with you, and I want you to be mine, 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 mine for eternity. And Once you accept that, I'm telling you, watch this verse, finish off with this verse. St. Paul says, I am persuaded. Once you got that invitation from God, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to invite the music team to come back up here and close us out here with a song, but I just want to leave you all with this thought, that there is nothing, 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 God's, remember I told you, the problem, the solution. There's nothing that can stop God's love coming to you except one thing. Why is this bridge small? Only one thing that can stop God's love from coming to you is you. The only thing that can stop you from living in God's love is you. Amen.